Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. We're going to start in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, and verse 1. And it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, which will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. A great and mighty day is coming. It's not about eating Twinkies, people. We're going to be full of him, nourished, nourished by Christ himself. And so really as the sun comes, it's going to bring two things. It's bringing life and it's bringing correction. Ephesians 5.13 talks about when anything is exposed to light, it becomes visible. I'm talking about when Jesus himself walks in the room. Because when it says, I am has come into my garden, when Jesus walks into the room, the son of righteousness comes. I'm not talking about the firstborn son. I'm talking about son, there's healing in his wings. There's healing in the beams, the rays coming from Christ himself. You know, everybody talks about how they love fall. And I love fall. I never got to experience fall until I moved to Ohio. It's kind of cool. I'm a southern girl. We have one season. Summer. But my favorite season is summer. And I don't like all the heat stuff. And we don't have heat up here. We don't have, you know, what's that? Humidity. We don't have humidity up here. If you want to know what humidity is, go to the south. (laughs) Poor Vicky. (laughs) But I love the summer because I love to go to the beach. I love to go to the lakes. I love to go and and take the kids out and go lather up that sunscreen and sit in the sun all day long. There's something healing, healing, and just sitting out there, resting, quiet. You hear the birds, you hear the waves lapping, and you feel the warmth of that sunlight beaming down. There's healing in that. That's the the son of righteousness we're talking about today. Just as I like to go and sit at the lake to feel that, all the more so I like to sit and lay in the presence of God. Because we don't have to be outside. We don't have to have great stage lighting. When I am walks in the room, the son of righteousness has come with healing in its beams. You know, I'm going to keep going back and forth because you take, take a Bethesda class, okay? I think we have three hours just on five, on two verses, not even two verses, one and a half. Three hours. I mean, we were gone. But when I am, is come into my garden. That's that healing sun 
walking in to cultivate that which is his. That which is to take something that's not and make it is. Make it something new. Make it something fresh. And so think of it as a sunflower. You know, I never saw sunflower fields either in America till I came to Ohio. But several years ago when I was in Bulgaria, you drive, and it was my first ever sighting of sunflowers, right? And they were fields and fields and fields and fields. We think we have some here. I'm talking it's nothing. I mean, it's as far as the eye can see, sunflowers. And you're driving through the hills, and you turn, and every single sunflower is as high as it can go and all turning in the same direction so that the sun can shine down upon the, 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 the largest part of the flower. The every field, as far as the eye can see, every flower turned up together in unity towards the sun because it knows that's where it gets its nourishment from. That's the believer. That as Christ comes into the room, as the great I am walks in, we stop. Whoa. And every affection, every fiber, every part of our being begins to what? Turn towards the sun of righteousness. Because there's healing in its beams. Because when it's exposed to the light, every darkness in us has to flee. Yes, when I'm in his presence, the conviction comes. Oh, that didn't look like Jesus today. He'll bring up something I didn't even know was there. Because the light always brings new life. And it brings correction. As the believer, we don't shy away from that. As the believer, we welcome it. Because every time the light comes and every time something of us, of the natural man, is exposed in that light, what has to happen? That thing must die. That thing of self, that thing of the carnal nature, of the natural man, has to be gone because it can't stay in the presence of the Almighty. It can't stay in the King of Kings. So if I'm basking in his beauty... I can't be watching stuff on the internet. I shouldn't. If I'm basking in his beauty, I'm not going to battle the mind nonstop. Right? I'm not going to stay stored up in bitterness because it can't stay in his presence. So I'm going to do what? I'm going to be a Christian hedonist. You know what that is? I'm going to pursue pleasure at all costs. And the pleasure I'm going to pursue is the pleasure pleasure of Christ himself, the pleasure of basking in the rays and the beams that shine forth from his presence, because in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures evermore, basking in him that healing might come to me. Until you find Christ in a situation, you haven't seen the fullness of the situation you're only seeing the natural. How often do we sit there and worry and anxiety and self-pity and loathsome? I mean, you know, we just stay in that bad place. We see all just negative, but we haven't brought it to the cross yet. We haven't let him come into our garden yet. But the moment that we open up, we turn towards Christ, we open ourselves up. All right, God. I've sat in self-pity long enough. Come on. Can you forgive me again? I did it again. 
But as soon as we do that, we begin to see with the eyes of Christ. We begin to see with the spirit man. We don't see in the natural anymore. It's not all gloom and doom. But there's hope. There's newness of life. Why? Because the great I am stepped into the room. Because he that overcame sin and death for you and me makes all things new. Because when we invite him on the scene, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But in and of ourselves is the darkness of the world. As the sun, by the rays of light and heat, revives, cheers, fructifies. There's a new word for you. Make a shirt out of that one. (laughs) Fructifies the whole creation, giving through God light and life everywhere. So Jesus Christ, by the influences of his grace and spirit, shall quicken, awaken, enlighten, warm, invigorate, heal, purify and refine every soul that believes in him and by every soul that believes in him it's for every believer and by his wings or rays diffuse these blessings from one end of heaven to another everywhere invigorating seeds of righteousness and wither up withering and drying up of the seeds of sin Have you been sunbathing lately? Just as the sun drives away darkness and clouds, bringing light and joy, so the sun of righteousness will appear to dispel gloom, oppression, and injustice. I just found that one, Tony, so you don't have it. Don't worry about it. So often, you know... We just want, we want to come to the altar, we want to come to church, we want to say a prayer. We want someone that we think is more spiritual than us to lay hands on us. And we want the depression to go away. We want the sadness to go away. We want the anxiety to go away. But, but it's not about any of that. It's about putting ourselves in a position to allow Christ to come on the scene. So oftentimes, 30 years 30 years of bad thoughts, 30 years, 20 years, 5 years, whatever it is of of, um, bad thought life, uh, of lack of intimacy with Christ. How many of you know you don't get depressed overnight? It's a process. Well, just like it's a process when we get to the places of sickness and hurt and depression, it's a process of our healing in Christ Jesus. It would be so easy if we said, Lord, I give you my life. And then we were perfect in righteousness. We would not have issues. Oh, my goodness. But it doesn't happen that way. It's a process. It's a process. And so, but he promises he's faithful. He promises he's the great I am, that he's the counselor. He's the teacher. He's the comforter. He's the healer. Amen? He is all things we need. So I'm going to position myself as in a garden and close with my sister and my spouse. Woo! That Jesus can come breathe the breath of heaven over me. That Jesus can come and in the outshining of his glory, the very likeness of his Father can rain down and radiate into my being to dispel all that's not of him. And the more that I position myself in his sunlight, in the rays of his righteousness, the more that I become like him. How do I know? Because scripture tells us that. 
We behold what we become. If I'm beholding Christ, I'm becoming more like him. If I'm positioning myself in his presence, I'm allowing him to bring life. But if I'm closing all the blinds, if I'm having the horrible stuff on TV, right? If the Bible stays closed all week long and the music stays on God knows what, I'm not inviting him in. I'm inviting my depression and my sadness and my gloom to stay with me. If I'm always with negative Nelly, I have a friend. I have more than one friend. But I do have a friend, and she's kind of my Jesus friend. They're pretty much all Jesus friends, but this one girl, man, it doesn't matter how long we've talked. It doesn't matter how bad it is for me. When I just need to be put in my right place, I pick up the phone and call her. And she'll listen. She'll let me get it out. And then she'll say, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for what God's doing in you. And I'm like, did you just hear what I said? (laughs) And the next thing out of her mouth is every scripture you could ever imagine to go over my situation. And I'm like, hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on, preach it, sister. And by the time I get off the phone with her, there is no more gloom in me. So am I, am I, am I calling negative Nelly? Or am I calling someone that's going to help put me in the position of Christ? That I'm going to get off the phone and have the, having those scriptures written down or in my belly begin to soak and saturate and chew and meditate and read and study upon those things which are Christ Jesus. Amen? All right, we'll keep going. Acts 9, starting in verse 1. Saul had an experience with the son of righteousness. Verse 1 says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went out to the high priest. You might be sitting there today thinking, Lady, you don't know what I've been doing. If you knew, you would be disgusted. I think Paul, or Saul, was pretty disgusting. I think Saul had a lot of issues, probably a little bit more, because I don't think anyone in here is murdering people. Come on. It got real quiet. We'll just go back to the scripture. (laughs) Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, any who were with Christ, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He was on a mission for the devil. He was out there bound by sin and death and hatred, pride, fear. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly uh, a light shone around him from heaven. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am. Am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. When the light comes, there's a transformation in his presence. When we find ourselves in the very presence of God, you could be on the very road to death itself. 
Paul, they say, was riding a horse. And when that light shone, then he was knocked to the ground. When the healing comes, when the son of righteousness comes, <laughs> he'll do what he needs to do to knock us on our rear when we, when we need it. But the amazing thing with thing about that is Saul was hated by the believers. He was feared. He was horrible and wretched. But he was still God's chosen. It wasn't too late for him. It's not too late for you this morning. It's not too late for your situation this morning. There's an awakening when Christ himself comes, an awakening within Paul, Saul. Saul was doing it because he thought he was righteous. He wanted to be righteous. He wanted to be respected. Oh, but he got an awakening. He got an awakening. The very desires of his heart were met. Because he became righteous in the light of his countenance. In the light of the countenance of the beauty of Christ himself, he was transformed forevermore. When you and I step into the beams of his word and presence, there begins to be an awakening in our soul. Let's look at that. Proverbs 4, 20 and 22. Proverbs 4, 20 and 22 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to their flesh. Now let's read that again. Because too often the Bible stay closed and they stay getting what? Dust. But it says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Listen up. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. In other words, always be reading them. Always be searching the scriptures. Always have them hidden in your heart. Memorized, meditating upon them. For they are life. Life. An awakening, a quickening to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Do you take your vitamins in the morning? Do you read your word in the morning? It's life and health to who we are. Like Megan was saying, it's not about having someone else come and lay hands on you. You can believe for your healing yourself. It's not about having someone come and spoon feed you scripture. You know, services are great. There's a need for this. There's a need to be taught in the assembly, to the gathering of the saints. But you should be going home, taking notes off of this stuff, and going, does she even know what she's talking about? Where in the scripture? What does it say? That word really spoke to me. And go and figure it out for yourself. Because that's a life. That's healing. That's wholeness. That's vivification. That's happified. That's fructified. Because you're feeding yourself. Yeah. You're feeding yourself. That's the light. That, 
is the son of righteousness coming with healing in its beams. Because he speaks to us from his word. John 1 says what? That the word is Christ himself. Hebrew says that it's living, it's active, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing between bone and marrow. Come on. You want to know why you have no power in your walk? No joy in your walk? Come on. When's the last time you opened the book? When's the last time you told yourself, self, I will hope in God. Lady, we don't talk to ourselves. Why? That's scripture. Go look in the Psalms. He's telling himself, no, you will put your hope in God. You will stop living in a pity party. You will stop. You will put your, you will position yourself, self, to walk in victory. How do I begin to do that? I position myself in the son of righteousness. I position myself in his presence. I position myself in his word to let the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shine in my heart, shine against the very things that I don't want to do. You know, we have, uh, there was an accident at the end of school year last year in Coventry. Everybody knows about it, right? And we lost two girls and two teenagers and, the driver just got um, arrested and charges filed, and she was texting while driving. And so, you know, I've been praying for that, those families, the boy that was still in the hospital that survived, the boy that was with them and didn't get hit. I mean, traumatic. But now I'm more so grieved with this woman because, you know, we, we knew a lot more what happened with the kids at first than this woman. So... I've been praying for her a lot, and so I'm driving this morning, and all of a sudden, like, and I was a little angry with her. I'm like, you silly girl. But all of a sudden this morning, I began to realize the love of Christ shed abroad in our heart, the love of Christ, that we're to love others as we love ourselves, that we're to put others above ourselves. Oh, heaven is a world of love, and in heaven, we're going to fully understand everyone, and we're, and everyone's going to fully understand us, and we're not going to act or even have thoughts in a way that would hurt other people. So all of a sudden it clicks. If the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, I'm going to love the people on the road around me driving. I'm going to love those kids and those adults and those people so much that I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to text. I'm not going to speed. I'm not going to be on the phone. I'm not going to be doing silly stuff. Because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. Oh my goodness, and I'm going to love others as I love myself. But if I don't have scripture in me, then I can't see that. Are you following what I'm saying? Because we were talking the other day in one of the classes or meetings, even about that we honor our authority. And if I honor authority, I'm going to follow what? The traffic's rules. I'm going to put my blinker on. I'm going to stop, complete stop. I mean, oh, God, now I'm stepping on everybody's toes. I'm not speeding. I mean, we're doing it right, right? But you start thinking about it all, and you start applying the word to every situation. Come on. And all of a sudden, he begins to expose It's a selfish thing for me to pull out the phone and think that it's okay, not only for my kids, but for every other family around there because they're somebody's family. Are we following? So I want to be in the Word of God so He can expose the things of my heart. He can expose those things that I could be made more like Him, that I could be made into His image, that I could be made whole. 
The word of God is beams of healing. If the word of God is Christ, right? And then in Song of Solomon, it says what? That your name is as ointment poured forth. Your name is as salve smeared upon the body to what? Bring healing and wholeness. So if Christ is healing, just the name of Christ, and he is the word of God, then that is healing in his beams. Amen? As the spirit of God and the word of God pours into our lives, he will touch every area of our life. It's so important for you and I as a believer to realize that. It's not born again, poof, and I look wonderful. We can be walking and think, I'm doing great. And then all of a sudden, in his presence and in his word, he begins to expose. And I just want to encourage you, that's not a bad thing. It's called sanctification. And it's beautiful. And so whatever it is, whatever it is, he wants to bring healing into every area of your life. Yeah, that means, all right, you're 70 years old, and when you were in fourth grade, that person uh, picked on you on the playground. That's still, if that's still affecting you today, he wants to heal that too. Every single area he wants to touch. Every single area he wants to turn around for his glory and for your good. So you're sitting in a dark apartment that's really filthy and you're eating your bonbons on the couch and watching the Hallmark Channel. (laughs) The very thing that causes you to hide away in darkness and stuff your face that you might feel something is the very thing that Christ wants to come. And you say, where do I start? You just start in scripture. It's very simple. Easy, open up Proverbs. Open up, the Lord's speaking to somebody. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Let me tell you, I was a doofus head when I got born again. (laughs) Now I just like to have fun. But he'll speak to you through the scripture. What once didn't mean anything to you, it was words too big to understand in a way that was incomprehensible, will all of a sudden be life to your being. There's 31 Proverbs. The most days out of the month is 31. So you don't know where to start? Just start there. It's just, it's it's basic life lessons, but it's a living. And it's Christ himself. Just start there. Then go to the book of John. Why John? Because it starts with Jesus' life and ministry. It's a quick entry into the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a quick entry into who Christ is. It's a quick entry to say, wow, that's my Jesus? That's the one who saved my soul? That's the one who wants to bring me life? You just start there. You just start there. And some days you're going to read it and be like, I didn't get nothing. But it's okay, you read it anyway. Because other days, everything's going to speak to you. Everything's going to jump out on the page. And when your time of trouble comes, or when your aha moment comes, that stuff that you thought just went in one ear and out the other is all going to sudden bubble up in your belly. All of a sudden, you're going to realize that it wasn't wasted time, that it is living and active within you, that it is bringing life, it is exposing things. Start there. 
Start there. It's real simple. When I got born again, I, you know, I was raised Catholic, and we went to church every week, sometimes three, four, five times. We went to CCD every week. It wasn't optional. We had CCD in our home. We had mass in our home. I mean, I lived in a home where Christ was there, right? But it was a whole different ballgame. So I get born again. <clears throat> I'm in this Baptist church. They let my boyfriend play guitar the first day we went. Not smart. They didn't know we were cray-cray. But it was God's way of getting us plugged in, right? But because we got plugged in right away, we had to go to Sunday school. And I was so afraid that if these people knew who I really was, they would not let me stay. And so I would practice on the way to Sunday school. If they asked me to open in prayer, this is what you pray. Thank you, Lord, for gathering us today. That kind of thing. And I'd practice if they asked me to close out the prayer. Because I was so nervous and embarrassed. What if they see that I don't really know anything? What if they realize I don't really know how this prayer thing works? Or if they ask about scripture, like they start asking questions, I would like, if, if I actually had an inkling of what they were talking about, I would be like, to make sure that I got to say something when I thought I might know something because I knew I didn't know nothing. And if they called on me on their own, I would be mortified. But look where he's brought me. Not because of myself, but because he's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Because when the beams of his righteousness come, they bring healing and life. So I may not have known what I was doing, and I may have been the big doofus head, but I kept positioning myself. I didn't know it at the time. I was just scared. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to go to jail. I just wanted, I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to be like okay in society. You know, I didn't want to be the loser. So I just kept going to church and just kept going to Bible study and kept opening up the book. You want to have a Bible study? Use my apartment. Use my apartment. Why? Because I was so scared to go back in the world. That's it. Position myself for him to come and bring life, to revive a dead being and be made like him. So you may not think you're worthy today. You may not think you're educated enough. You may not think you fit. And I hear the Spirit of God saying, He's calling you. He is calling you today. Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart. Today, for the person He is poking right now, don't walk away. You don't have to stay in the same cesspool of filth. You don't have to stay ashamed. You don't have to stay embarrassed. We are all but filthy rags without Christ. We're all filthy without Christ. The only thing we all have in common is Jesus himself. And let me tell you, I don't know why you're so embarrassed. It doesn't matter what it is. We have well-manicured sin, and we have sin. But guess what? They're both sin. They both need the same blood of Christ. So who cares if you think someone else is more manicured than you? Who cares? It's either Jesus or not Jesus. It's either righteous or it's not righteous. Right? And he's the only one. He's the only one that can bring the righteousness. He's the only one that can bring the healing and the hope and the life. So whoever that is, I pray you hear him calling. Do you hear him? 
I hear him calling you. He loves you. He adores you. You're the apple of his eye. He's written your name on the palm of his hand. He's called you by name. He goes before you and prepares the way that you should walk in it. You might be shaken in your boots, but he's gone before you. He knows your sorrow. He knows your fear. And he's right there. He's come into your life. He, the great I am, has come into your life. He's come into your garden. And you might be ashamed, but he is pulling those weeds out. He is pulling them out by the roots. He is taking all that filth away. He, is, he wants to go into every area of your life. And if he's going into every area, he is pulling out every weed by the root that needs to come out. Because he doesn't want you to hurt anymore. He doesn't want you to feel abandoned anymore. He doesn't want you to feel unworthy anymore. He sent his son to die for you. For the very thing that's kept you paralyzed. He's cultivating that garden. He's got his gardening boots on, his overalls. He's got that straw hat. He might be chewing on a piece of weed, but he ain't going nowhere. (laughs) He's there to stay. He's there to stay because he's cultivating something beautiful. And you might not be a sunflower. You might be a rose or you might be a dandelion or you might be a great fir tree or you might be an oak tree. But it's all a part of his garden. It's all a part of his garden, and he's doing a work in you. Do you hear him calling you? Getting his word. If you don't have a Bible, let me know. If you don't know what to do, let me know. But there's somebody, and I really feel like it's more than one. He is calling you to something more. You need in you the work of Christ to sustain you. Can you do some of the things in your own strength? Yep. But your character needs to sustain your gift. And the only way that's possible is through the outshining of his rays. That he burn up the flesh. That he burn up the nasty. That he prove himself within you. That the fruit that comes forth from your life is Christ. And not your own doing. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 11 says, but, the spirit, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. He's going to recover, renew, and imbued your life with the gospel. Romans 4.17 says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in his presence or in the presence of him whom he believed. God gives life to the dead and calls those things to exist, those things which do not exist as though they did. You might be born again this morning, hallelujah. But let me tell you, we're still on this side of heaven, and he wants to call out the dead things in you and me. There are still gifts and visions and things of God laying dormant in us. And he calls those things into existence. He calls those things into the light of his presence. You may think, well, I don't have nothing to give. There's something in you that he's trying to awaken. There's something in you that he's trying to awaken. He brings dead things to life.
dead things to life. So you might feel this morning, I don't have anything to give. Altar call time comes. Let me tell you what we're doing. Not because you want somebody to lay hands on you, but because you want to meet with the King of Kings. You want I am to come to your garden to blow upon your spices, to bring those things which are dead into life. How do we always have new vision? How do we always keep moving forward? In the light of his countenance. In the light of his countenance, because he's always speaking. He's always doing new things. He is always, always, always there for his people, bringing life and wholeness. Romans 4, 17. Nope, just did that one. Let's go to John. So we were in his word Now I want to talk about a little bit about his presence. John 15, starting in verse 7, says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. If you abide in me, if you stay in my presence and my word abides in you, it's twofold, it's spirit and truth. It's the very presence of God and the very word of God. If you have both, if you live in my presence, if you keep my word hidden in your heart, you can ask whatever you will and it'll be done for you. Not because you get what you want and you shiny Cadillac, but because the more we're in his presence, the more we're in his word, the more our will begins to align with his. Yeah the more we begin to understand what it is he desires on this earth. That all of a sudden, I'm not praying Heather's prayers. I'm praying the prayers of Christ himself, whoever lives making intercession for me. All of a sudden, I am lined up with Jesus. I am connected with him. I am praying the very word of God over my life. Not my will, but yours, God. Abiding in him. The very presence of God in our lives begins to produce what? The fruit. What we behold, we become. If I stay in his presence and I stay in his word abiding in me, then all of a sudden the fruit of Christ himself is in my life. I can't build the muscle of fruit. I can't do enough good works I can't discipline myself enough to have the fruit of Christ. But in his presence, I can be transformed into his likeness. In his presence, I can be made like him. In the light of his countenance, I can have the dead things come to life, be revived and restored, when all of a sudden his fruit is now produced. As I bask in the rays of his glory... Things begin to grow in my life that weren't there before. The fruit of God begins to grow. It is the honor of the husbandman. Pastor Grace, y'all can go ahead and come on up. It is the honor of the husbandman to have good, strong, vigorous vines, plentifully laid with fruit. So it is the honor of God to have strong, vigorous, holy children, entirely freed from sin, and perfectly filled with love. It's his desire for us to not be weak and feeble. It's his desire to fill you and equip you 
with power from on high to change us from the inside out. Galatians 5, and 23 gives us a picture of what this fruit is. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Not man's kind of love, but the God agape kind of love. Joy that surpasses all understanding. Peace. Long-suffering. Kindness. Oh, if we could just have kindness in the world. Goodness. Faithfulness. You want to stop job hopping? You want to stop having to worry about the electricity being turned off and the lights and the scale going up and down? Let him produce faithfulness. Faithfulness. It's his fruit. And I'm just, I'm just staying on stuff the Holy Ghost is having me stay on. Well, what does that look like? Well, if I need $100 for my electric bill, but they have a fair, I could go. And I can hear this great concert if I just pay X amount of money. Oh, and it's only an hour away. So that means I have to fill up an extra tank. So it's 35 plus 20, so it's 55 dollar. But it's gonna be so much fun. And it's once in a, I haven't done this in years, so I'm just gonna go, it's gonna be awesome. But you know you're supposed to write that check on Tuesday. But it's gonna be so fun. I haven't seen this band in so long. 55 dollars. I got 55 dollars. So I go and have a good time, but then guess what? I want a Coke and them nacho fries. Mmm, I could treat myself today. Now I just spent another $11. $66 out of the $100 of my bill just got wasted. But you say, but God wants us to have fun. Is that the fruit of the Spirit? Faithfulness looks like a whole lot of different things. But if he just give me more money, then I could do both. When you're faithful with little, he's given much. So if we're faithful to not go to the concert and spend the $55 on gas and tickets and the 11 on the nachos and coke, we can pay our bill. And then he knows he can trust us with the finances to make the right decisions. Does he want you to have fun? Yes, but in his presence is fullness of joy and his right hand pleasures evermore. I guarantee you there's something else you could be doing for free, having just as much of a fun time. Amen? Faithful. Gentleness. Are you always just flipping off at somebody harsh gentleness and self-control oh there's self-control $55 we'll go back to Malachi 4 as we close out this morning 
reminding us that as his glory comes, it brings us life and it brings us correction. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will stubble, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so all